0: Grief. <laughs> anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch Or don't, we really don't care We're probably going to win a million awards either way <laughs> Chris, we do care, so don't say that Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together... so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. What up, world? You're listening to the full goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah, look at my guy, my guy Tony Gill is dressed for oppressive heat in <laughs> Chicago. You know what I mean, <laughs> and my Yo. man Jesse Lopez is in the place to be. Is the mic sounding good? Everything cool? Sound all right over there? You know, yes, sir. Where I was. This would not have been able to uh to come off without a hitch. Uh, I am somewhere where the wi fi is secure stable um and uh ready to roll uh really really could be doing anything else in the world besides entertaining the masses in this moment, but can't keep the feed dark for too long it's uh It's not a double entendre. Uh, <laughs> Spotify and the ringer needed me to do some goddamn work. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, we enjoy your vacation time. We enjoy the fact that you're recharging your batteries, but the people need you. People need you. And I'm like, no, they don't. And like, you're right, but bust an episode out for us anyway. So that's what we're going to do. This is episode 114. Am I right? 114. Yes, it sir. Is episode 114 of the Full Go Podcast. With Jason golf brought to you by The Ring. of course, Spotify is the gang. You already heard the boys. Tony Gill, of course, Jesse Lopez. And uh the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti is nowhere to be found. Uh maybe he is has has Steve been jumping on uh, you know, pods? Jesse, have you been have you been yeah. seeing Steve poke his head out in th- actually, different places on the Ringiverse? I uh, with you being off this past Sunday on vacation, I actually filled in for on Bill. Bill Simmons podcast. I saw him. I was with uh, Rudy, ah. Bill, and, uh, and Ryan on Sunday. Yeah, Was he crying? You slum- uh, uh, <laughs> you, you're both of them. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. You, you ain't slumming it no more, Tony. You hear him? He, he, that man gave the full the full title of the podcast that he was on. He wasn't with Bill or Ryan. He was with Bill Simmons and Ryan Rusillo. You you understand there's a hierarchy here. We we slumming it. We, we, we out here, you know, where we are on this pod. We're like the, you know, we're, we're like the middlemen. You feel me? And then the, the upper management, the, the big pods like Ryan Rusillo. And of course, Bill Simmons pod, we, we uh you know, we we get our talent poached every once in a while. So, Jesse, I'm glad you had a chance to hear some professional broadcasts and now you get to come slumming with the brothers for a little bit here. Uh um, I feel a lot better here. <laughs> I'm good here. Uh, I I like wearing a tie, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, every every once in a while, you know, you gotta be gotta be gotta be a pawn every once in a while. We 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 the chess pieces that move around and and, and attack people the right way. Tony, uh I, I gotta let you know this, man. You know, I, Jesse, I don't know where you know where where your people uh, may be outside of the West Coast or whatever, but I'm sure you got family that is outside of the country somewhere, right? Tony, I'm telling you now, gotta find you some family outside. Well, you already did. But oh you yeah. Find- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Southern Asia, I'm there. Yeah, there it is. Tony, I'm telling you now, man. There's there's a, a beautiful, beautiful thing happening when you can leave the the land that you call home and go elsewhere and get you some serenity, get you some peace. That's what I've been on this last week. My little sister got married on Saturday, so we've been in Belize uh, since Thursday. Um, supposed to get here on Wednesday, but had a little passport issue uh, that I. Uh, did I detail that on the last pod that we did? Oh yeah, you did. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. I'm Just making <laughs> you sure. You know, it's been a, it's been a foggy week or so. So I don't I don't remember what the, <laughs> the last thing that I said that was recorded, uh, either by you know camera phones or by the microphone that I got in my hand. Because boy, if this, some of this footage makes its way out of uh, some of these phones that were at this wedding, then I'm either going to be incredibly broke or incredibly rich. One of the two. One of the two. Uh, your boy was out here having the time of his life, and i I suggested everybody this summer try to find some time where you can get away from work, get away from the uh the things that ail you and uh have some fun right you know we we all we do is work, work work and more work. And in our country, it is like a badge of honor to not take time off, <laughs> to, 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 to to work as hard as you possibly can for the people that are going to fire you at some point in your life. Nah, man, got to take some time off, got to recharge. And that's exactly what I got a chance to do at my sister's wedding uh, here with my lovely fiance uh, and saw so many people who uh, I haven't seen in so long. Like, I've seen people that I haven't seen since I was five, six, seven years old. Uh, they're all telling my fiance the kind of dude that I was when I was a kid and how uh, that shaped me into the heathen that I am today. Uh, but, you know, I jumped off of a, I jumped off like a three story pier into the, into the Caribbean sea. Some shit that I never thought I would ever, ever, ever do. And I've got the scratches on my foot to, uh, to prove it. Uh, you know, uh, went ziplining through the jungle. You know, I've come to Belize at least what I'm forty-one years old now. So I've been to Belize probably a good dozen times in my life. And that's tourist shit, right? Like that's that's the first thing I thought. Like my lady was like, Oh, we should go snorkeling, we should go to the blue hole, we should, you know, we should do zipline. I'm like, Yeah, 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 we could do all of that, right? But the zipline part, I'm like, eh, I don't know, because I'm not a big roller coaster guy right like it's not because i'm scared it's just i don't get the enjoyment out of it that other people do like on a roller coaster i'm just sitting there clenching my asshole as tight as i possibly can and gritting my teeth waiting for it to be over and it's not like a oh, I'm, I'm a scared I'm, I'm i'm worried thing it's like why are we doing this and when is it going to be over kind of vibe so i i assumed that the zip line would be like that but man boy that was that was freedom that i uh that i appreciated that that i was uh I didn't know that I needed it in my life, so uh, I, I, I'm not going to let her know this. But I'm down to do anything when it comes to the sky from here on out. We, we could jump out of shit. Uh, we 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 go into a hot air balloon. It doesn't matter. I have been skirting death for forty some odd years uh, in the Chicagoland area. I figure at this point, you know, <laughs> I'm impenetrable now. If I can make it through Chicago summers, and, and, I, and then I can make it, you know, through the jungle on a zip line. So. That was outstanding. Um, The resort that we were staying at the first time around, because we've we've now switched locations, hence the the spotless, just perfect Wi-Fi. Uh, I I haven't really, really been watching much television outside of some of the sports that I've taken in. And I, I bring all of you all that peace and all that serenity and all that love and all those good vibes. Everything that you see on Instagram, like my Instagram now is is rivaling john Stremskis, right? Because I watch, I watch our guy JJ over on the New York, New York podcast and every one of his weekends, super lit. He's always got some fly suit on. He's always golfing somewhere where there's an ocean view and crazy mountains in the background. Well, JJ, I, I see your IG stories and I match them with mine because mine have, you know, you know, straight country dogs running around and, and and rap music playing on a golf cart. And you could, if it was scratch and sniffs, you, you'd tell the kind of good time that we're having around here. So uh, I bring you all that peace and all that serenity and all that clarity to take you right to the White Sox, where there is an absence of all of that shit. Um, the White Sox are a fucking mess. And it is... I I don't I don't want to say disheartening and and Tony you you've been back at the crib for the last week or so so you could probably tap in in a different way than I can but you know catching a little bit of these games and reading these stories um the energy is just all off the energy is just all wrong and it happened the way that I thought it would just a little it took a little bit longer and what I'm talking about is the day that the White Sox hired Tony La Russa I said to myself, this ain't going to work, but I hope it does. And to me, you fast forward to this moment where we're at now, all the injuries, right? You can't plan for those, but you hope that you play the kind of baseball to where as you give yourself a little bit of a cushion, you know how talented you are. Injuries going to happen throughout a season. But the stuff that I was worried about with Tony La Russa being the manager of this b- ball club is... Some of the stuff that I think we're seeing right now, and I don't know that Tony La Russa can answer for or can explain all the stuff that he was hired to do that he was good at, right? Like, a bad base running team 10 years out shouldn't be your calling card, right? Like, a a, a team that, and and I know Joe McEwen and Lance Lynn, like, guys get into it. Whether it be in the dugout or the clubhouse, sometimes guys take it back. Then we never know about it. Sometimes guys fight on the plane. You know, shout out, shout out to what was it what was it my man uh, was it who's the old uh, hitting coach was it Walk um, Greg Walker? Shout out to Greg Walker and Hawk Harrelson. Right, like sometimes guys have it out on a plane. Right, we don't know about it. Sometimes guys have it out. In the clubhouse, we don't know about it. So, Lance Lane, Joe McEwen going at it, that happens, fine. But all the other shit can't be happening as well. And all the other Tony LaRusso things that you thought were coming along with Tony LaRusso, like for instance, we thought Tony La Russa wasn't gonna be able to get along with some of these guys. We thought that this was a new era of White Sox baseball. Tim Anderson is the face. You know, is, is, is his cool style or, you know, his swag and all this other stuff going to mix with the the attitude that Tony La Russa was bringing with some of the quotes that he had dropped probably a couple of years or a year prior to him being hired as a White Sox manager? Was that going to mesh? And slowly but surely, we talked about it a couple of weeks into the season. You saw pitchers not being very happy about when they were being pulled. You saw him saying some things about certain pitchers who are no longer here when, in Dallas Keuchel. Um, you know, last year, with throwing at guys and unwritten rules of baseball and their collapse <laughs> in the playoffs against the Houston Astros, some of the poor managerial moves that were made there. Now in this season, you got a team that's running in the outs that, uh, isn't playing the defense that they should be playing because I don't think this team should be a top-tier defensive team, but I don't think by some of the metrics it should be one of the lower third in the in the American League either. So all the things that I thought Tony LaRusso was going to be good at or manage, <laughs> this team isn't doing well. It's as simple as that. You want to talk about situational baseball? And yes, I know. I know it's up to the players you know you can't press the get a hit button you, but you guess what you can press the sit your ass right here next to me until you stop running in the outs button you know you 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 can set a different tone and and this this is the issue that i'm having their playing their play has been so subpar that the injuries for me aren't going to be an excuse end of season Eloy Jimenez being out not an excuse like as, as our guy Jason Benetti said he's here to bring joy right to, to people's homes well guess what White Sox have been confounding this entire season so far this this Tiger series there's been weirdness happening uh hell Tim Anderson there's weirdness there's this stuff going on and listen I'm I'm not here to speak about man's personal life because I um I, hey, people who live in glass houses don't throw stones. And I'm going to keep it as simple as that, right? Like, I, I don't know how many sports writers or columnists or radio people's marriages you want to go through and really know what's what. And last time I went on the score, hell, I was talking to them dudes about what would happen if we got covered the way we cover athletes and and how, how tall would you be able to stand, you know? Where I sanctified as a lot of the people who, uh disseminate these opinions get sometimes. And I'm not saying what whatever's being reported is right or wrong. You can agree with what you want to agree with, the rules and regulations of your relationship may not apply to others, but there's just there's just a bad vibe. There's just a bad feeling going on with this team. And now the injuries are again going through another rash of injuries. You got you got Liam Hendricks, who's got the forearm strain. You know, Joe Kelly threw 20 pitches in a simulated game, but he's been off and on the roster this year, off and on the injured list. You, Aaron Bummer goes to the injured list with a left, uh, you know, lat muscle strain. I mean, Yasmani Grandal, he left the Saturday game with a hamstring. So, you know, now you got Sebby Savalio. Yay! You, you, get to, you get to watch a dude who became, like, a little bit of a cult hero last year with the White Sox come back up from Charlotte. Like, this is not what it was supposed to be. This is not what White Sox fans expected. This is not the season that White Sox fans was talking shit about three or four years ago, like myself, because I was ready. 2020 was what I was telling people that from near and far, when this thing was in rebuild mode, well, guess what? We're, We're two years removed now. And this team, I mean, you got White Sox fans right now talking about the window being closed. Like, like, like Lewis Robert is, is 34 years old and, you know, Eloy Jimenez is, is, is relegated to being a pinch hitter. Like, like like we are out here talking real different about the Chicago White Sox. The mood and the vibe is off and it doesn't feel right. And I don't know what's going to change it. And then, and then on top of it, the fire Tony chance, like once you get that on your back, I'm telling you now, blood is more than the water. There's a, carcass floating and then hungry sharks are coming forward every error every base and this is the problem because they don't have the fundamentals down pat if this team was just getting his face kicked in because they weren't good enough that'd be different but because they don't have the fundamentals on uh, down pat it will it will stall rallies it will um it will make sure that you don't uh lengthen leads like not playing smart enough baseball, and I hate calling teams dumb. I hate calling players dumb because of the connotation that goes with that. Far too often when you've got a lot of uh my white brothers and sisters out here calling teams dumb, I know how sometimes it comes off to uh any of us <laughs> and, and athletes as well, right? So you gotta you know, you gotta be careful and, and a little bit more adept at how you say things, but this team hasn't played a a high IQ brand of baseball this year. So along with all the foolishness in the dugout, along with all the stuff outside of baseball, you know, the Josh Donaldson to Madison thing, not saying that that was the White Sox fault. It's just, it's just been a mess. It's just been an absolute, absolute mess. And then you get the reports popping up again that we already heard. Right? We already heard that Jerry Reinsdorf rehired Tony LaRusi because he was mad that he, you know, or he was upset or or felt bad about uh, firing him 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever the case may be. Like, those things are coming up again. Like, this is not good. This is not good. And, (laughs) and, oh, yeah, I I will not forget this. Oh, the Trey Turner at bat. Let me tell y'all something right now. If Tony LaRusi gets fired, that will be the moment that everyone references. You 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 got you got pitch count leverage. One, two count. I mean, you elect then to throw three straight balls so the next batter can yank one out the park on you. It's it's idiots justice. It's as simple as that. You play the fool, somebody gonna reward you like fools get rewarded. And that's what happened in that moment. They're not good enough to play and run, and throw, and field as poorly as they have. And that's why their record is what it is. So as this summer pushes on, I don't know what's going to come to the rescue. I don't know who's going to save the Sox. Might have to be Rick Hahn, though. Might have to be Rick Hahn in several different ways. You know, for a while, Rick Hahn has, you know, Rick Hahn has had the specter of Jerry Reinsdorf and Kenny Williams running everything for a long time until about maybe four years ago, five years ago, where it was his show. And he made sure that people knew it was his show. And I got a lot of respect for Rick Hahn. I do. I do. I think he's he's good at his gig. But even him, I mean, running into some of the things that he's run into with some of his statements this season. Right, <laughs> and some of the, some of the reports of how things have been handled in the White Sox organization, like when when you're seeing and hearing so much about this team, along with it being as average as it is, it's not a good mix. This team does not feel like a team that's going to have a long run. And I know it's still early, but it's getting late. <laughs> it's getting late. Jay, what are the chances that this might be one of the most disappointing? errors of white sox baseball in in your lifetime it's, well for me it's, it's it's heading up close I know people yeah. were disappointed in 06 but 05 was a surprise for a lot of people and it was enjoy it was enjoyable because it was a surprise yeah, but yeah. man when you got expectations when you're talking multiple MVPs and Lou Bob and Yoan and they're not doing it you got he's still swinging stuff outside the zone for yeah. no reason he still no doing that. Way. No play discipline. And at some point, um, it's on the talent developers too, right? Like if I give you the raw materials and I tell you to mold it and you tell me how good your farm system is and how you're doing everything the same way, streamlining it throughout the farm system so they know how to play White Sox baseball on the way up, something else needs to be refined. When you get here and you're not the finished product, who's going to help finish you? That's, That's the question I'm asking now. So we know all the names. Everybody's a damn near a, you know, uh, a celebrated figure. You know, the Joe McEwans of the world, the DBEs like there's 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 a lot of people in that White Sox organization who we have known for a long time. And now those people are going to have to earn their money like none other, like no other time. This organization's expectations are where they are for a reason. And. The last thing I'd like to see is for this team to regress enough for, for the money to go back in people's pockets in terms of not spending on this squad going forward. Because Chicago White Sox fans deserve everything. Chicago White Sox fans, um, and I'm sorry, I know people going to say, oh, you know, 22,000, 24,000 on a hot summer day. You don't just, no, no, I'm talking about the White Sox fans that I know. White Sox fans who sit and eat shit year after year after year after year after year. Okay, you, you get you get the big prize, like you mentioned, you get the big prize. But all right, where is it at? You you wet your appetite now. Nah, I want more. You you watch rebuilds happen on the other side of town. You're like, okay, that's the way to do it. Can't wait till we do it, and then you start to do it. and Now we're here now, and it it nothing is promised, obviously, but you you, you go out and make moves for veteran players, and let's face it, you know Yasmani Grandal uh, has had. You know, his, his he's had he's had a, what one sustained really good streak this year, and now he's down with the hamstring for you know who knows how long. And a hamstring for a catcher is is terrible, it's terrible. So n- when you get him back out there, he's going to have to do a little bit more DHing. He's going to have to be at first base a little bit more. I mean, the things the, the things that you were counting on for this White Sox team are the exact things that are failing. You were counting on Luis Roberts progression. I picked him to be the dark horse MVP candidate, right? You were counting on Tony La Russa coming in here. It, it seemed like Tony La Russa was hired because this is, was the job that you couldn't fuck up. Let's be honest about it. This was the job that, okay, my bad, my G. I fired you. And now I got, I got a Cadillac out there. All you got to do is drive it to the party, baby. You know what I mean? You pull up to the party, you're gonna get all of them. It. It's going you're gonna have you you're gonna have a fucking ball. It's got it's got AC, it's got it's got you know, heated and cooled leather seats, you know, it's a beautiful sunroof, you can do whatever you want with it, right? You know, low gas mileage, i I'm no longer talking about a Cadillac, by the way. Low gas mileage, like it's the perfect car. All you gotta do is pull up to the to the joint with it and enjoy yourself. Hop out and have a good time at the party. And right now, <laughs> right now that car is in the shop, and we are making payments on it to get out. <laughs> so, how much that axle gonna cost? <laughs> you mean to tell me the carburetor shot? Like, oh shit! <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> All four tires are flat. Like it, it, White Sox fans. Like after a while, White Sox fans like, you know what? Just just leave it in there. I will just. <laughs> I just go to the Hyde Park Summer Fest. I'll, uh, I'll find a couple concerts to go to this summer. I'll try to duck tornadoes and, and try to make it to the other side of the summer. Okay. I'll go hang out with the kids downtown Chicago. <laughs> I'll go, I'll go run around the bean hanging out with all the, all the, all the little wild childs out there messing around. Right? Like what, what do White Sox fans feel like this summer? Because I know what I feel like. I feel like I am still waiting to get jazzed up about something that should be here. These expectations are going to leave soon. And when those expectations leave, and if they haven't already left, it's going to be nasty. You think the fire Tony chants are bad? By the way, it, Tony Gill, I'm telling you now, if, if you don't make that a staple somehow of your whole situation, I don't know if it should be like a a, a ringtone or something but they loud and clear for you. Fire Tony is hilarious. Like, anybody ever wants something from you and you don't want to do it, just just hit Fire Tony Chance, right? Like, you and Tony LaRusso, hell, you, you having a better year than Tony LaRusso is right now. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, like, I, and I don't mean to get on him because, you know, he's, you know, people make it out to be like, you're being an aegis. No, no. I'm, 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 I'm being a person who appreciates, like, results right? Like 70-year-olds, 80-year-olds don't run a lot of marathons. <laughs> and when they do and they finish, like, oh, shit, look at the old guy finish the marathon. They damn sure don't win him. So, So I don't know what you want to do with that, but hey, man, this thing is nasty. It feels nasty. It's going to stay nasty until something changes. And the problem that I have is they don't have the fundamentals that they can rely on for that something to change soon enough. So What's going to have to happen is they're just going to have to out-talent how poorly they play. They're just going to have to play above their baseline-level lack of base running and fielding and just just get it together. Like, this is my plea. I'm, I'm, I'm in paradise worried about the goddamn White Sox. Like, I I, I don't want to be doing this. I wanted to come back home after seven days and see if the White Sox went four and three, five and two, something like that, stayed out of the headlines for all the right reasons and got a little bit healthier. I'm getting ready to come back with two relievers down, a catcher who's got a hamstring, a shortstop who I can't I can't even imagine what he is going through, you know, right now in the head, right? And then Tony LaRusso out here as well, you know, intentionally walking people with one two counts. Like, I don't know where the uh the you know those <laughs> you know those buttons you can press like when you're on a treadmill and, and it's going too fast, you just got the stop button. They don't even they don't even slow it down or nothing. I don't know where the stop button is for this treadmill of death that this baseball of summer has been on, but right now that that button needs to be pressed and they need to be reset. Because right now, the White Sox are becoming, like my man Tony Gill just said, one of the more disappointing franchises. And this is one of the more disappointing seasons in, in recent memory. And especially when you got the plucky Cubs doing whatever they're doing, right? And the Bulls and the Bears. Like, this was supposed to be the White Sox summer. Simple as that. Free agency, NBA draft, all that stuff be damned. This was supposed to be the year where Chicago baseball, especially on those south sides, Took center stage, not just locally, but nationally. And all it's been, especially these last two or three weeks, have been both a local and national disappointment. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Garth. So, Bears training camp is underway, right, Tone? You got everybody hanging out in Lake Forest. You got your pads <laughs> Not on. Not everybody. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you something. i th- The holdout is becoming my favorite thing in sports. And and you might say, oh, why, Jason? You got to honor your word and honor these contracts. I love the mess sometimes. And this is the mess. Robert Quinn don't say shit to nobody. That man goes out and had, was it, 18 and a half sacks? set, Set the record, right? Set the record for sacks in a single season for a team that has had some of the most ferocious defensive linemen to ever play the game. He goes out there, busts everybody's ass, comes back and is like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and all the fellas are gone? Oh, yeah. Y'all can kiss my ass. Because <laughs> he knows. He knows now. What are we going to do? From games one through five until somebody else appears. Where is it, you know, Travis Gibson or any one of these draft picks or anybody else, right? Until somebody shows that they can get off a single block and, and make damage, oh yeah. Your man, your man Robert Quinn is gonna have two people Velcro to him. Remember what Jared Allen looked like at the end here? <laughs> he was just bad too, by the way. But you know, they were <laughs> I forgot about the Jared Allen experience. You remember the Jared Allen experience? <laughs> I used to call him Velcro. That man, he, you snap the ball, he is Velcro to an offensive lineman. It's just him and him and him and the left tackle doing a wide two for like two and a half, three seconds. It's like, hey, man, you don't let me get past you. I won't let you get to the second level. we we'll figure this thing out. Two hours, 45 minutes, we call it a date. You know? I'm not going to call Robert Quinn Velcro, but you watch what happens. Bears fans, uh be looking out for top eight picks and where the wide receivers will fall in those top eight picks for next year. Because this team's going to be trash. This team's going to be really, really bad. Um you got you got your man Matt Eberfuss out here talking about Devin Jenkins running with the twos and trying to see, you know, different things we had halfway through OTAs we want to mix it up a little bit. Let me tell you who you don't mix it up with. Was did you ever hear Jonathan Ogden running with the twos? It's like, you know what? We want to see what the other dude can do as well at left tackle, right? We we want to take what we think is the guy and fuck around with him a little bit and move him over here to the right side or just make him run with the twos and embarrass him a little bit. Just like Jalen Johnson, like he was apparently, you know, there was some uh there was some conditioning issues. So he ran around and Maddie flues don't play that. <laughs> Maddie Reeves like, yo, I coach I don't talk, I don't sing, I don't, you know, I'm not going to be out here hanging out with y'all. I am a coachy coach. And if you come out of here not in condition and I haven't seen you and you're missing other things, oh yeah, you're running with the twos. The thing with Tevin Jenkins to me is they they got no ties to that man. That's not their pick. So yeah, yeah, you're going to run around with the twos and you're going to be on the right side. We're going to throw Braxton Jones, fifth round pick who we drafted on the left side and see what he can do. And then Matt even flew his head. Do we have, do we have the cut? We have, No, you know what? That, this, that's the cut about Justin Fields. I, I'm going to stay right here on the offensive line. Olin Cruz tweeted out his five and said that he thinks people will be given some apologies later on in the year. I want to apologize to Ola Cruz right now, and it ain't even got nothing to do with football. I just like to do it like once every two, three weeks just to stay on Ola's good side. Cause I don't want no problems with that man. That man has been my guy for a little bit, you know, since he's retired. I want to keep him on that side. Um, he's 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 a man that I I trust will uh will do something bad to me if if I don't stay on his good side. So while I say that, I ain't gonna be apologizing to you about that offensive line, no. <laughs> because boy, oh boy, if Tevin Jenkins is being looked at a, as a guy who has issues pass blocking, like that's the wrong thing. that, that that's what you don't want to hear. Uh, I'd love to hear a guy who can't move people, but is stout and pass pro. Not not a guy who's out here run blocking his ass off. He's got that nasty, you know, fight and getting personal fouls. And then all of a sudden, when you uh, <laughs> when it's time to 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 set and pass pro, you know, you're out here looking like uh, who was my, Blake Blockermeyer back in the day, right? We used to make fun of Blake Brokermeyer with the lookout blocks, where you know the ball would be snapped, and all of a sudden you just hear "look out" because this man is behind him. I'm telling you now, man, Justin Fields, (laughs) Justin Fields is going to be running for his life all season long. That's why the deep ball stuff a couple of weeks ago was hilarious to me. Oh, yeah, he's throwing a really pretty deep ball against air. That that, that deep ball takes time to develop. And if we're already getting to the fifth-round pick, getting half the snaps at the end of OTAs on the left side as the starting left tackle, and Larry Borum and Tevin Jenkins and all these dudes, I mean whoo, hell, this city made Sam Mustard for damn near an all-pro. This is a dude who was on the at the crib, right? He, he became a vital part of the Bears' offensive line. And now you got Cody White here who has been bounced around a couple of different positions a couple of different times. Like, I don't know, and it's probably Cody White here more, more than likely, but, you know, the the best starting five for this team, I don't know if those guys are on this team yet. I don't know if they're starting left tacklers on this team yet, and we've already seen what happens when you go to the the couch. I mean, Jason Peters did the the best that his 41-year-old or 40-year-old body could do. And I thought he didn't play that badly last year. But if you're drafting a left tackle in the second round and two years into his career, he's running with the twos and OTAs uh, under a new head coach, it ain't because you're trying to see what everybody else has. Because... The one thing that you want to lock in is the offensive line and and make sure those guys are walking and playing and feeling like a unit with some kind of togetherness instead of bouncing them around. So there's still issues up front. And for that to be the case, if I'm Justin Fields looking at my weapons, I can hear all of this really, really flowery talk about my prospects as a player. But if the Bears can't block it, it's, it's, it's as old as time itself. If you can't block it, you can't run it. And if you can't run it, you're damn sure ain't gonna be able to pass it. This is what Matt Eberflus had to say about the progression of one Justin Fields, comparing him to a young star who is now a Dallas Cowboy. I can really probably compare this to Dak the most because he was young like this when I was there. We saw him just grow before our eyes. And he's a, he's a talent, you know, he's a, he's a guy that can, you know, throw on time, but also make, you know, extended plays. And throw down the field, and and that's where I see you know where Justin is. I think Justin Fields is a is a, is a different a different quarterback from Justin Herbert. Those, those are two different players, two different guys. What I say about Justin Fields though is you know he he really loves the game of football. He has a commanding leadership on the field. You know like a, like a legit field general. You know he's getting guys lined up, telling guys where to go and stuff like that. And I feel like I feel like the pace of his game has up since last year. Obviously, you know, your first year going to your second year, your speed of the game has, has has excelled a lot. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel that way personally. And uh, I'm really excited for the season he's about to have because, uh, he, like you said, once once you've played your first year and you've seen the speed of the game and you've seen how guys are moving and you've seen how fast DBs close the window and you've seen how how, how fast receivers get uh, open up the window and stuff for you, like, I'm, I'm excited for what he's about to show because he, he's a lot more comfortable now. That was Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields' teammate, newest teammate, Justin Jones, a uh, former uh, Charger, former NC State defensive tackle. And also, they, they signed another defensive tackle, Mike Pennell, uh, a guy who played uh, a lot of snaps for the Atlanta Falcons, was in Bears training camp, I believe, a year or so ago, got cut by the Bears, lashed on with the Falcons, got onto their practice squad, and I believe participated in 10 games for them, started a few of those games, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So a little bit of defensive line depth, go with uh, Tonga and, and Jones and some of those other boys up front. The, the Bears defense is going to have to rule the day once again because I, I don't know how much Luke Getzky can do early on in this season in terms of letting Justin Fields um, show what he's learned because you're going to have to establish that you can protect him. Um, you know, Justin Fields gets hurt, this whole thing goes down. Or maybe not right? Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe Ryan Poles and Matt Foose really don't believe in this guy, and they intend on drafting the quarterback next year in the top five anyway, right? Maybe this is going to be a Josh Rosen, Colin Kyle, Kyle Murray kind of situation where the, the quarterback of the future is playing for Alabama right now or, you know, something of that nature. So, um, it, the the great words are getting ready to come out. You're gonna hear all the training camp touchdowns and all the he he's picking up the offense, which I hope he is, and I believe he is because I I hope that he's a hard worker, and from what we're hearing, it seems like he is um dedicated to the craft. But yeah, man, that offensive line, and those wide receivers, and that group of tight ends. You you better look at David Montgomery and say, "Hey man, can you uh, can you be Marshall Falk? Is is that too much to ask for? Can you can you can you rush for fifteen hundred yards and catch the ball seventy five times? Can you be Ricky Waters? Can you be Roger Craig? Can you be Thurman Thomas? Because there is no one that I trust to throw the ball to, and on top of it, I'm going to die if I hold the ball for more than two and a half three seconds. So yeah, Justin." Just go ahead and send anything and everything you possibly can to David Montgomery right now. Find out what kind of candy he likes. Find out where he likes to get his car washed. Find out where he likes to get his breakfast from. Because that guy has to be your best friend. If I'm Justin Fields, I anytime I see something that just looks like a situation where I might get my head knocked off, I am audibling and looking at the young man behind me and saying, Hey, man, we know you're one of the best backs in the league. Carry the ball here 30, 32 times this game. Because, Doggies, <laughs> this thing is going to get. Yeah, I, I can't like the, the Tevin Jenkins thing has me all kinds of thrown. Like, like Larry Borum, if if like just read what people are saying and just feel the tenor of it, like Larry Borum right now is the same level prospect, if not ahead of the second round pick that you had two years ago. I, I don't know what to say, Bears fans. Socks are letting us down the Bears are getting ready to do their Bears thing this this winter and all we got left is the Bulls and that's a thing too we'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Michael against Russell, 12 seconds. 11, 10. Jordan to drive. Hang. Fires! Yes! Scores! He scores! The Bulls lead 87 86 with five and two tents left. Oh my goodness! He's unbelievable. Oh my goodness. 24 years ago, today, Tony, how old were you? I was five. Jesus Christ. Jesse, how old were you? I was 20. There you go. All right. I can talk to somebody who's actually, you know, (laughs) out in the world 24 years ago. 24 years ago today, I was graduating high school. uh, And it was a great day. Right? We were at Northwestern. um, That's where we had our ceremony. It was outstanding. We were in the, in the gym. It was like Ryan, what was it? Ryan Fieldhouse or whatever the hell it's called. I don't know. We were in the gym. Everybody's got their caps and gowns and everybody's celebrating, having a ball. It was a blur, right? Because high school was over and you're like, oh, what am I going to do now? I'm going to go down to Southern Illinois University and not know anybody as a 17-year-old. How is that going to work out for me, right? But before that, I got my whole summer to get through. So graduation day. Graduation happens, family's there, everybody's having a ball. Then you start to walk around and see all the people now that you because you're grown the day graduation happens, right? You're like, I ain't I don't live with my mama no more. I'm I'm a college student from this point on, right? And then you're like, hey mom, can you go to Office Depot and get me a couple of file cabinets for my dorm room? Cause I still need you, even though I don't live with you no more. You know? But I'm walking around looking for things to do, looking people to say hello to. I got a whole bunch of people signing my yearbook telling me how much they like me. And I'm like, shit, you should have told me that for the four years we had together. You know what I mean? I'm leaving here a virgin because you snoozed. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) If you see... And Tony, I'm telling you now... Oh, I wish I would have known you Oh, my (laughs) God, Tony. If you'd have seen my, my high school yearbook, oh, I had such a crush on you. You had... Four years. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You got damn right. I'll say it. Yes. As loud as you can say that word, that's what I was saying. You had four years. To, to cash in. You feel me? I would have been willing. You know what I mean? I, did I look like I wasn't there for the taking? You know? I'm, a, I'm the fat kid trying to get myself to social studies. You know? You could have pulled me to the side, told the brother, I was there to be had. Yes! Take <laughs> advantage of me. You know what I mean? He's like, come on. Why you think I'm talking to all y'all senior girls? I know y'all dealing with college dudes who ain't around. <laughs> come on through. <laughs> I got a great basement, you know? I'm walking around, getting my yearbook signed, and people are starting to talk about, oh, man, where are we going tonight? What are we doing? This is our first chance to really get out and party. And I'm like, nope, not the kid. I got a game six date at the crib. Michael Jordan versus the hated Utah Jazz and one of the worst people of all time in Karl Malone. And now that we're finding out, one of the worst people of all time in John Stockton as well. Oh, my God, you couldn't. And and shout out to Jerry Sloan with the Bulls connection. It hurt a little bit because... Norm Van Leer was my main man and I know that was his running mate, so you knew that Jerry Sloan was about to take another L in the finals, but damn it, I was getting home to watch some Bulls basketball and what did I go home to watch? I watched Michael Jordan and the Utah Jazz slug it out for four quarters, and boy, we we like to romanticize what those games felt like and looked like. Go back and watch those two Utah Jazz Bulls series and tell me if you don't want to poke your fucking eyes out with needles. There are some games in there. and some, There's a couple like scores where I, look, pull up those game logs real quick, fellas. There's some scores in there that will make you hate basketball, right? but That will make you think that, that college basketball was being played on a, a professional level. I believe there was one score in there where uh, I believe the Bulls or the Jazz, one of the two teams, scored 57 points in one of those games, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been in 97. In game but three, I'm, 54. 54 yeah. Points. Final so score 96 54. So when y'all talking all that shit about what the golden era and golden age of basketball was, yeah, I lived through it and I enjoyed it, but there was some garbage in there too, boy. Fuck around and have the Golden State Warriors, the Boston Celtics score 54 and a half and then have us not call it a bad half, right? You see the Warriors out here and they score 52 and a half. Like, I don't know what the fuck's wrong with Steph. You know, he only got 12 in the first half. Something's wrong. They they, they locked him down. These people had 54 points in a 48-minute regulation basketball game. But I digress. I'm here for Michael Jordan to sit down and watch what could be the final moments of of him as a Chicago Bull. Bob Costas on the call everything surrounding it, you already knew going into that season. Hell, we lived it with the last dance, right? You knew what it was. You knew this might be the last time. And you fast forward. You get the strip on the baseline as Karl Malone is out there with no awareness at all. You get the strip on the baseline after a a critical shot of possession before that. You come down and what happens? The shot. The final shot of Michael Jordan's career. One of the greatest calls in Bob Costas' career, one of the greatest calls in sports history, the, the shot that we thought would end Michael Jordan's career. And obviously it didn't because he went on to become a Washington Wizard. But for anybody who was around 24 years ago, you know, even if you were five years old, anybody who was around 24 years ago on this day, you remember what it was. And on top of it, we, and I will say this, I because of my age and because of you know your frame of reference and your scope of things, I hadn't lived a whole bunch of life like think about it ages eleven through seventeen, my favorite team was in the finals every single year, except for two, and that was when Michael Jordan retired, so I didn't know anything else besides real winning. <laughs> Like, real contention, knowing that dude was on my team. It's kind of like what p- young Patriots fans went through with Tom Brady. And looking back at it, you appreciate and you yearn for those moments even more. And you also understand, like, I go back and forth with the greatest player of all time conversation, and I do it quite often because I know what I have to come to in this city. But I also know, like, the the, the career that i watched, and from the player that uh, won't be named in this segment, right? And in these moments where I think about my childhood and I think about how special that time was and what Bulls basketball represented, who would have thought that 24 years later, that would be the last time the Bulls won a championship? So for a city who has high expectations, as we talk about with the White Sox, as we talk about it every year with the Bears, right? And a recent vintage with the Cubs, a city that has high expectations but always doesn't see them through or always doesn't, get, doesn't always get the, the results that they were hoping for, right? Like Boston, every other year, damn near, they're winning championships, whether it be the Bruins or the Celtics or the Patriots. Uh, San Antonio obviously had that dynastic run. Warriors fans have had the last eight, nine, ten years of, of sustained excellence. Dynasties aren't supposed to happen. That's why they're special. And the fact that that was the last one uh, in this city, and that was the overwhelmingly uh, most popular one that this city has ever seen. It was a worldwide phenomenon when the Bulls were doing their things. think that that was 24 years ago. I don't feel old. I feel appreciative. I feel happy that I got a chance to witness it and, and be cognizant of what was going on. Now, fast forward to where we are now, and knowing that what? How many championships have been won since then? right? You've got the Blackhawks with their three. You've got the Cubs with their one. You've got the Sox with their one, right? And you've got the Chicago Sky with their one as well, right? So you got six championships since then in 24 years. You got six in eight years, and then you get six in 24 years. I think this is why Chicago sports fans go as hard as they go, because they understand what they've tasted and want to taste it again. It's just up to management and some luck, right? Injury luck and draft luck and development luck and trade luck to to see that thing through. But I, for one, will never, ever look excellence in the eye again and and think that it should be poo-pooed. Because 24 years ago today, I got a chance, like many other Chicago Bulls fans, like the rest of the world did, to see a dynasty completed in its final form. And it was a, uh, a time and a moment that we should never forget as Chicago sports fans. No matter how you feel about Jordan, no matter how you feel about the Chicago Bulls, it was iconic. It was memorable. And today is a day that should be, uh, should be celebrated. So if you're listening to this on this evening when we are recording it, June 14th, uh, Tuesday night, then, hey, put one in the air for, for, for the Michael Jordan-led Bulls and the final shot 24 years ago. And if you're listening to Tomorrow or whenever you're going to listen to it, put one in the air then too. You know, it, it won't be any any less ceremonious. But yeah, man, shout out to, to those times when, when things were a little bit simpler and all I had to do was read my yearbook to realize how much of a chump I had become in high school. The Full Goal with Jason Goff. Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 114 of the Full Go Podcast. want to thank our production staff, ah, the always active Jesse Lopez, and of course, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Shruti, and My man, Tony Gill, who is back at the crib, melting away. Yeah, he, is, he is avoiding the tornado sirens while also trying to stay cool because it is hot back in the city of Chicago. Uh, when will they hear from us next, Jesse? What are we talking about here? Sunday? We'll we be back Sunday. All right, we'll be back Sunday. I'll be back on. Uh, I'll be back on domestic soil, right? I'll be back where where the concrete is prevalent. <laughs> I'll be back where there are no mosquitoes. I'll be back where the good times aren't flowing. Quite the same, but I'll be back nonetheless. So we'll be back on Sunday for you guys. As always, the voicemail line is open, 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. Make sure you leave anything that is on your mind. At the voicemail line is always open for you guys. We'll throw out some questions throughout the week on Twitter, also on Instagram. So for the fellas, I thank you guys for listening to this podcast, downloading it, subscribing to it rating and reviewing it doing whatever you do for this podcast we truly appreciate it so for tony and for jesse and for steve i'm jason this has been the full go podcast with jason golf on location here in belize brought to you by the ringer of course spotify is the gang as always we leave you with this take care of each other and be safe